This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend lots of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 290. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Johnny Utah, and we are talking epic travel hunts and more. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Got some. Now we're now we got some summer heat here. We got some some heat here the past couple days, and it actually feels like 
which uh, feels like summer, which, look, I'm okay with. I'm getting ready to go on vacation here over the 4th of July. I'm going to do a little lake living, maybe a little uh, malted beverage consumption during the cor- that course of time. Maybe a little boating, however, not with uh, malt beverage consumption. That would be that would be poor form. We don't we don't want to get into that business. I'm going to shut my door here because I'm in my office and the vacuum is running. Um, nothing too crazy this past week. What I did do is wrap up getting all of my gear. I will say I'm probably ninety eight percent done getting all my gear for the Idaho hunt. So uh, and. I ended up picking up my tent last week. I had like three big ticket items that I needed to get yet, which was uh, a frame pack. And then I needed to get a, a good tent. And then I also needed to get a, um, a good sleeping bag. Cause the one I was using in the trailer for white tail honey, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's just big and bulky. It does the trick for, for that, but I've got, you know, a heated enclosed kind of uh, space. Um, so what I ended up getting, I'll just give you the rundown of it and maybe at some point I'll make a video of it and, and kind of go through the gear, but I ended up getting an EXO pack, um, K3 frame. And I think I got the 4,800 bag on that, which I talked to the guys at EXO. They were super awesome. I don't work with them in any capacity. They were just super good dudes and, you know, spent some time on the phone with me just to make, to make sure I was getting the right stuff, but went with that bag specifically um, because it is a earlier season hunt. And so I shouldn't have as big and bulky a cloth, uh, clothing to take along with me. Uh, and so I should be able to get by with the 4,800. If not, they told me they would just, you know, just send the bag back and we can swap it out. I just need to pay the difference for the bigger, bigger bag and they'll take care of me. So, um, so that was cool. That actually should be coming in the mail this, I'm recording this on Sunday. So it should be here today. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll just kind of get all my gear, pack everything into that pack, make sure everything I need to take with me um, is going to fit. And then I ended up for my tent, I ended up getting a black Agnes. I think it's how you or a black Agnes, uh, big Agnes uh, uh, tent, a two person uh, copper spur. Uh, I think HVUL2, I think is what it's technically called. Um, it's the same one. My buddy Chad Sylvester ran in Idaho last year. They actually did uh, a gear gadget video Um on their YouTube channel where he talked about it. So if you want to check that 10 out and some of the specs and stuff like that, he did a good job kind of detailing it there. Um, but you know, I try to go with gear that buddies of mine have used and had success with. Um, like I, I like doing the research on my own, but I always find like the best research I can get is just guys that I know specifically that have actually used the gear and given me an honest opinion, uh, about, uh, you know, about you know, their, their experiences with that gear. Now, where, the bag, the sleeping bag came into play. That was really kind of a, well, first off I was, I've never looked at good sleeping bags just to be completely transparent and honest. You know, every sleeping bag I've probably ever owned in my life was either like bought at Walmart or like, or a hand-me-down probably would be the best way to categorize them. And they've always worked fine for what I've, for what I've done. Um, the, uh, when I, I was, I was shocked <laughs> as I was, perusing around trying to find a decent sleeping bag as to how expensive they are. Like I, I kind of, yeah, I guess anecdotally understood that, um, you know, the mountaineering bags that you're going to use to climb Everest or whatever, like that, it seems plausible that they would be really expensive, right? Cause it's, you know, you're in some pretty extreme conditions, but what I did not realize was that like a really, really good backpacking, um, sleeping bag, like just like a zero degree bag or a 15 degree bag or whatever it is that you're getting that is just like, you're looking for something that compresses down. Cause you're trying to take up as little room as possible in your pack and as light as possible. Cause you don't want to be carrying that thing around weighing five pounds. 
that they were like, I was seeing bags for like 700 plus dollars. And I was like, you gotta be crazy, man. And I was like, and so I had to really quickly calibrate what I thought I was going to have to spend on a, a good bag that was going to be lightweight and not take up a ton of room. And I didn't spend $700. I set myself a mark of like, I will be willing to spend $200 on a good, decent, I'm not going to say good, a decent sleeping bag that doesn't weigh a lot, that has a good, you know, weight to warmth ratio that will pack relatively small that I'll be able to use for multiple seasons. You know, that way it's like, it's kind of, I'm a cry, cry once, buy once kind of guy. Um, and so I ended up, my buddy Tom ended up having like a, an email from a, a company that uh, was running a sale and I was able to get a pretty decent bag. I think the price on it was like 190 bucks or whatever, which fit within the parameters that I set. And, uh, he had like a 20% off thing, uh, promo code. So I ended up using that and getting a little bit of money off. And at the end of the day, I ended up spending like 150 bucks on a, on a bag, which I felt good about because it was a little cheaper than what I thought I was gonna have to spend. It's a decent bag. I think it's a climate or climate climate. I don't even know how you pronounce the name. Um, so with that, I kind of got all the big ticket items, um, that I'm going to be taking with me. Then one other thing that actually just came in recently that I was really stoked about was, uh, my buddies over at Sitka sent me some stuff, um, to check out. And they, if you don't know, like they have a bunch of their ambient stuff that just came out, which is, uh, which is killer, but they actually sent me the, um, the ambient jacket and this stuff is available on their, on their site right now. And this will be going into my kit immediately. It's, it's kind of like a, um, it's got a little bit of like a, a, a sweet, like insulating liner on the inside. And it's a really kind of like thin, lightweight, prima loft, uh, jacket. And so that will be perfect to kind of take with me, you know, on, you know, cooler mornings, I guess would be one way to say it. You know, it, it'll be between that and, and, and my puffy that I would use depending on what the temperatures are going to be. If we're sitting somewhere glass in or how much we're going to be moving or whatever. But if you haven't checked out the stuff that they've recently come out with the ambient stuff, it looks uh, really killer. And then they've got a handful of things that are going to be coming out this summer. Um, so you're going to want to kind of keep your eyes peeled uh, for that as you get ready to kind of gear up for your hunting season. So with that, I have one last piece of housekeeping to do. Before we jump into the show, and you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to miss this. I'm just going to kind of read it down because I don't want to get anything wrong. Because there's a lot of kind of specifics here, but my buddies over at Exodus have been, uh, we've been kind of talking about a new product, and I've been teasing that they have something new that was coming out that I couldn't make mention uh, of on the podcast yet. They released a bunch of social media stuff. You guys probably saw it. They are making some kick-ass arrows, and so. You know, I'd be lying and you'd probably be lying to yourself if you said you were never really confused or felt uncertain when you were shooting your, your bow, making sure that you were kind of shooting the very best arrows that you possibly could for your for your setup. We've all we've all been there and struggled with tuning bows and so forth. So that's really was the genesis for why Exodus developed and sourced, you know, the most precise archery components that you could possibly find to tailor an arrow specifically for, you know, mine and your hunt, hunting adventures that we're going to have coming up. We do so much work. Don't, we shouldn't be kind of taking a flyer on the arrow that we're sending down, uh, sending down range after we put all that work in to try to get that close to an animal. So here's what they actually demanded before they put the, or brought the Exodus MMT to, to market. They demanded arrows to fly with deadly accurate precision, high grade components and a technology creates the most accurate hunting arrow period. Not only do you get arrows built with the same jig for exact consistency, all shafts and components are carefully sorted to build tolerances at plus or minus two grains per dozen. They demanded arrows to maximize momentum efficiency. As bow hunters, the need for penetration is second only to a well-placed shot. Momentum is the driving factor for penetration. Maximize momentum, maximize penetration. They demanded an arrow that had deadly long-range accuracy. Say goodbye to the giant pin gaps 
or long and spread out sight tapes. They demanded an arrow that eliminated situational variables with proprietary fletching, arrow recovery, and components. Wind speeds up to 35 miles per hour became negligible at distances up to 100 yards, which is absolutely bonkers. So the Exus MMT is simply built different. Precision meets strength. The Exus MMT features a patent uh, and proprietary 4K outer layer weave at a one-to-one ratio for increased torsion strength and durability while eliminating weave gaps. This offers balanced strength from all sides of the shaft and identical shaft diameters, meaning unmatched accuracy and performance. Built from the shaft's fr- uh, first dynamic bend, identifying the exact spine index on every arrow ensures superior consistency, accuracy, and efficiency downrange, allowing for precision uh, tuning four times faster, so no more struggling to tune. The MMT carbon inner tube strengthens and stiffens the front end of the arrow, allowing unmatched arrow recovery, reduced energy loss by forcing the shaft into equilibrium at a faster rate, and providing noticeable, more downrange efficiency. The manufacturing process uses ceramic mandrels. This allows for slower, more consistent cooling, curing for better material integrity, and creates uniform shaft diameters with no taper. It's fletched with an airfoil technology, so this is stuff coming from the aerospace technology meets wilderness, essentially. The fletchings on the Exus MMT creates a quieter flight, faster spin rate, tighter flight profile, less crosswind effect for more efficient downrange arrow. So head over to the Exodus website, that's exodusoutdoorgear.com, and check out all the details of the Exodus MMT and build your own arrows in their 3D builder. Arrows start at $119.50 for a half dozen and $239 for a dozen. So be sure to check that out. I actually got some of those in the mail this past week and started flinging those uh, downrange and giving them a check. And uh, uh, they're, I'm just going to be honest with you, they're, they're pretty badass, but don't take my word for it. You should get on the site and, and check it out and, and read up on it. Check out all their content. Pay attention to their YouTube channel. They're going to be dropping a ton of stuff to kind of explain a bunch of the things that we talked about or that I just kind of mentioned uh, during the course of this uh, uh, during the course of this upfront. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. <clears throat> I have my good buddy, Mr. Johnny Utah Mulligan. You know, he's a, a multiple-time offender on this, uh, on this show. We hadn't... I mean, John and I talk pretty often just, you know, via text and stuff like that. Um, but we hadn't, he hadn't been on the show, I think since, uh, I want to say like December, he was just getting ready to leave for his Canada hunt and he had just killed his Texas buck. And if you remember the cliff notes version really quick is that he killed a hammer in Iowa, uh, during archery season. Then he went to Texas, killed an absolute stud in Texas and then he was getting ready to go to Canada for a whitetail hunt, and then I'll just let the the podcast play out. But he had a season for the ages. I'm not sure how you top it. Um, we talk a little bit about that, um, and just about you know his experience in in, in Canada and what all that kind of uh, entailed. And um, I'll do a little foreshadowing. You know, he did um, manage to wrap a tag around a um, a dream species of his, of his. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. And today you're going to be disappointed, dude. I, I failed to come up with like a brand new nickname. Like for some reason, the the Kentucky rattler is the one that I still like. That's my go-to. I feel like that's the best. I feel like that's the best one. I was going to try to do something with like Johnny you know, Johnny breast and thighs mulligan, you know, since you're getting all swole now and shit, but. <laughs> uh, the, if I ever go back to, um, you know, some Eastern Kentucky, like uh, low budget wrestling, that will be my, 
stage name. I'll be the Rattler. The Rattler, Johnny Utah Rattler, hailing from Eastern Kentucky, Eastern by God, <laughs> Kentucky. <laughs> you have to have like I a tell you. Have to have like a tambourine. Like you got to come out in like overalls, almost like hacksaw Jim Dugan style. You know what I mean? But just right, right. Overalls. Oh yeah. But with like a tambourine. That way, when they say rattler, yeah. you gotta like get let it rattle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm with it. Yeah. You know, and it's all about the 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 theatrics of it all. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And your and your walkout si- walkout song is a uh, Ram Jam Black Betty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. That's actually on my playlist right now. Hell yeah. Don't don't lie, dude. You were just rocking that before we hopped on here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard it in the oh. background. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. So dude, we haven't I mean, we talk, you know, uh often enough, like via text and you know, quick phone calls and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but we hadn't caught up on a podcast. I was looking back and we were just talking about before we started recording, like like December sometime, like you, we talked about you getting ready to leave for your, your Canada hunt. You know, you were headed to Saskatchewan, uh-huh. moose, whitetails. Yeah. And then like, yeah, so we got, we got all kinds of shit to catch up on, man. So yeah. <laughs> we got your dad's race coming up here, I think in a couple of weeks. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, that's happening here. Is it yeah. middle, yeah. Yeah. middle, middle of June toward the end of June? Right. Um, ju- July 8th. Okay. It was July. All right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Was it June last year or was it July last year? Um, it was July last year because it? it was right in between um the Utah uh snowbird tack and uh big sky tack. It, it fell right in between those. Okay, nice. You have everything coming together yep. for that? Yeah, yeah. We uh we actually had one one last partner that came on board today, which was really nice and it allowed us to hit our goal. Um you know how a lot of these memorial race things go. Like the first race was only six months after my dad's passing. So there was still a lot of heartstrings, you know, played in and a lot of people wanted to participate. Now it's like, he's been dead 18 months and people are like, you know what I mean? It's old news. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) right. But the, the nice thing about it was the race had such a big turnout that other companies who didn't even know my dad um, and really don't even know that much about dirt racing. Now they just see it as, well, this is a business opportunity for marketing. You know what I mean? Like there's right. that going to be that big of a turnout. I want my logo splashed up on the banner and the advertisement of stuff. So that's really nice. We've, we've had a couple of new companies that have come on board that, like I said, they, they didn't know my dad or there's no ties to the family in that regard. So, so that's pretty cool. Nice, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You get to do a little uh, little dirt track, and your one buddy was killing it. I was watching your uh, IG stories. Mm-hmm. He was up for the, uh, the, yeah. the Millie, wasn't he? He was. He was up for the million, man. And, you know, that's the finicky thing about racing is um, there's so many things that can go wrong. I mean, the driver can do everything right. The car can be perfect. But what if your tire, your front right tire was made Friday at 5 o'clock? And it just, you know what I mean? It blows out for no reason. And you crash in a wall, and that's just the end of it. But fortunately, he didn't really crash per se. He they missed the setup just a little bit, and 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 that level of racing, to put it in terms of what we know really well, and what the more of the listeners are going to understand, it is it is a hundred and fifty yard arrow shot, and you're talking a half inch off the bullseye. 
Bullseye's the million, a half inch, no money. But you were a half inch away at 200 yards. And that's the level of competition. You know, when I was racing, a lot of times it was, man, you know, you got to try to be a tenth of a second faster than somebody on their level of racing. It's I need to be a hundredth of a second faster. And it's just, it's a whole nother level. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy what the sport has gotten into. And I crawled underneath one of his cars recently and it would have been no different than if I was looking at the the guts of a damn rocket ship or something. Like I didn't know what the hell I was even looking at anymore. It's changed so much. <laughs> right. Yeah. So speaking but it's of it's cool. Yep. No, I was just going to say, what were we going to say? No, I was just saying, it's just, it's just cool to me. One. Yeah. He's my buddy. And, and it is something I kind of used to do, but uh, on the, in the same token, I just love people that fucking excel. You know what I mean? Like he, God has given him a talent mm-hmm. to, to do that. And whether it's the, the number one athlete in the, the a pitcher in the majors or, you know, Steph Curry or, you know, these people that just, they just fucking bring it on this level that is not normal. You know what I mean? They are genetically gifted and they put in the work, you know what I mean? To reap the rewards. And it's fun just to watch people crush, you know? So yeah. it's neat. It's neat for me to be a fan and a buddy of his, you know? Yeah, no, for sure, man. It's like, I remember when I was, when I was playing, you know, back in the, back in the day, yeah, like, I, yeah. like I said, like a great I'm, example with music, you saw that shit. Yeah. It, you know, like the band I was in, like we were good sign had a record deal and stuff like that. And then I went after that band dissolved um, you know, I left and, and we kind of parted ways. And then I got a call from a, a band that, uh, that had won a Grammy and had sold several million records and asked me to come in and play, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was, because, yeah. because we were kind of friends and we all knew each other and we had played with them before and stuff like that. And they, they had a, a neat guitar player that some stuff went down with their guitar player. And so they had a new record that was coming out and they asked me to come in and do some rehearsals with them and just kind of see if we, if we meshed or whatever. So I did. Uh-huh. And even though the band I was in was good. And, you know, we were doing stuff and legit and pro and all that type of stuff with a record deal and whatever. There was like a different level of getting in a room with guys that were playing, playing 320 nights a year for like the past six years together and had won a Grammy and sold a couple million records. It's like I walked into that room and it was like all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is what that next level is that we were trying to get to. This is where they're at. Why don't you come come up and join us? You know what I mean? Like it was like one of those types of things. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Isn't that the coolest thing to get to witness? Like I said, high performing, you know, people that are functioning just on a different level. Um, it's, it's so cool to see. I, I, I know I, I'm actually very sure that you and I uh, have had this conversation before. One day I was listening to a podcast uh, one of those really, you know, famous big podcast guys mm-hmm. on yep. Spotify now. Yep. And uh, I was listening to his podcast and he had somebody, a guest on there that was like, like a, they like collected butterflies or some shit. And Kelly's like, 
you are all into this podcast. Like it must be like either a hunter or like a fighter or like a bodybuilder or, you know, something like that. And I'm like, no, it's like a bug dork. And, but this guy is so damn passionate and he's like (laughs) the number one bug dork. So like I'm eating it up, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I could only imagine what it would be like to like sit down with somebody who's like you said, Grammy winners, and you're going, holy shit. Well, the you thing know, they're that, on a whole other level. Yeah, the thing that blew me away more so than anything was like they're all really good players, but their singer, like when he's when he came in and we started singing, because I had to I had to I had to learn like a handful of songs from like their two prior records, and they had a couple hits that mm-hmm. you know had like some number one singles and stuff like that, and I had to learn like a handful of like the new new songs from uh, the the new upcoming record. And right. I walked in and we, and we started with like some of the more familiar stuff, like their hits or whatever. Um, and yeah. he sounded like the record at rehearsal, like Isn't that crazy, just like no auto tune or nothing. Just doesn't miss a note. Doesn't miss a cue, like nothing. And we got done and they were actually surprised. Cause they were like, dude, you, we played through like four or five songs straight. And they were like, dude, they were like, mm-hmm. we can't believe you came in like a pro and like nailed all these songs and stuff. And you know, they were just appreciative that I showed up with my shit together essentially you know what i mean yeah yeah because they yeah. get all they get all types you'd think like a band like that they would get like the creme de la creme but they still get guys who come in unprepared just like anything else you know yeah and uh oh yeah yeah we see it and the and the singer turns to me and he's like hey man he's like you know sorry he's like i'm a little rough you know he's like i haven't sang in probably three months since i got done doing the record because my my voice was just toast after recording for however many months uh-huh. you know he was in la and i'm like dude you sounded like the record i was like <laughs> i was like i don't know what you're yeah. talking about i was like that was like yeah that was like perfect from where i was sitting but yeah it's yeah. just whole whole another level man it's it's pretty cool yeah pretty for cool sure to see speaking of a whole another level dude so like i was saying the last time we had a chance to talk you were on your way to saskatchewan to hunt moose yeah. and whitetails and if, yep. if people out there haven't if they don't know already there's some really kick-ass videos on the primal divide uh youtube channel um that you can see all the deets of 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 what went down but uh how was that experience dude that was i mean that was kind of wild just like i mean aside from like the hunts themselves but just like the environment you in was kind of kind of bananas yeah well you know it kind of goes back to like when a lot of us would we would watch some of the hunting shows and the monster bucks and and they would go to Saskatchewan and, and, you know, I'm like, wow. Like to me, I always saw Saskatchewan, like that could have been ah, shit. I don't know. They were hunting in Russia. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, to me growing up in Kentucky, Saskatchewan might as well have been in Russia or some, some place far, far away. And, um, I, I just never thought that would be someplace I would ever get to go. And, but opportunity presented itself um, from from a friend of mine that was actually going up there, somebody in your neck of the woods out in PA, my friend Leslie. So she had a hunt booked with this guy. And and it first started out that I was just going to go and, and photo film um, for her. And she's like, you know, there might be a chance you could get a tag. So that's that's how kind of how the hunt came together. And I took my bow out there and the idea was I was going to go out there and try to, you know, try to shoot a nice representation of the area of whitetail, right? And then there was the possibility of, you know, maybe if you get that tag filled and there is, if we can find or spot a moose, maybe we can get a second tag. 
uh, a moose tag. And I'm like, okay, I don't even really want to think about that. I'm going after a whitetail. That's, that's all I'm going after. Well, because it was kind of her bag, I made sure that she killed first. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. I wasn't going to steal any thunder. So she shoots a whitetail day one. I shoot a whitetail at the end of day two. Well, we're not flying out for like five days. And it's negative 33 degrees. So it's not like you can go outside and make snow angels. Right. You know, like, I'm like, well, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm like, I don't want to just sit in this hotel all day. So we asked the, uh, the outfitter if there was a possibility of getting that second tag. And I was able to secure a moose tag. And he's like, look, man, I'm telling you, like, we don't have a lot of moose here. And, but if you want to buy the tag and roll the dice, I'm like, I might as well. What else do I got? Am I going to do for five days? So, we go into this spot where we think there is going to be some moose. And we actually saw some moose tracks early, early that morning in the area. So it's the best sign I've had. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not an experienced moose, moose tracker. So <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, there's a moose like, you know, hoof like on the ground. That's a good enough place for me to start. So um, it's, it's so crazy. I am that guy. I don't forget my shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm really like anal about make sure I got my binos. I got my backpack. I got my broadheads. You know, I, I don't, I don't do that type stuff typically, but this morning I overslept and I'm scrambling. Leslie's like banging on my hotel room door. And she's like yelling, like, John, wake the fuck up. You know, because I guess apparently my alarms has been blaring for 30 minutes, you know, waking up everybody. And I was on cruise control. <laughs> Must have been the, the whiskey, the whiskey from that night before. But so anyways, I'm scrambling. I'm all flustered and I'm trying to get my stuff together in like five minutes, like no shower, nothing. Just get dressed and, and run out the door. So the guy drops us off and, and the way this setup is, is he drives us in part of the way, drops us off and then we hoof it the rest of the way. And cause you got, you're, you're already in full gear. There is no getting dressed at the base of the tree stand. It's negative 33. You are layered up already at this point. So we, we, we get out of the truck and the first thing I do is I put my coat on and then I put my vinyl harness on over top of it. Well, I don't have a vinyl harness which means I don't have a rangefinder. That also means my release is actually clipped on to my harness. I'm essentially SOL with, a, with an arch, you know, with archery equipment. So I look at him and I was like, dude, this is what happened. He's like, gosh, shit. He's like, okay, just go ahead and haul ass, get set up in the blind, get your tripods, get the heater going, you know, get camera equipment set up. I'm going to run back to the hotel. I'm going to go into your room, grab your bino harness, and then I'll text you and you can meet me up here at the edge of the forest, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. I find, I go meet him. I get back to the blind. I'm settled in. And now like, I'm trying to go through that mental thing. Like I fucked up. Don't let it ruin your day. You got 12 hours to sit here in this blind. You know what I mean? Like game on reset, refocus. So about 30 minutes goes by. And I'm still like kicking myself like you dumbass. You know, I can't believe you forgot that you probably just ruined the morning hunt, all that rip, you know, running through the woods. Right. And, you know, and that's the type of forest where it's so cold that like you can hear a mouse fart, you know? Yeah. yeah. So um, he calls my phone 
rule number one, when you know somebody's hunting, you don't call them, you text them if anything, right? But yeah. he calls my phone. It's on vibrate, of course, but it's vibrating. And I see that it's the outfitter. And I'm like, the hell is he calling me for? So I'm like, you know, doing the hello, you know, right. whispering. Right. And, he, and he goes, pack your fucking shit and meet me at the fucking edge of the forest right fucking now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what the, what has just happened? You know what I mean? I, right. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know if he was in that accident or there was some kind of fatality at this point. And I was like, why? What, you know, what, what's going on? He goes, I just spotted a big fucking moose. You better get your shit. <laughs> so I'm, that's all I need to hear, man. I look at Leslie and I was like, we got to pack up right now. We got to go. So it's like cameras are going in the bags, tripods are getting collapsed. And we just start sprinting up to the edge of the forest. We jump in the truck. And in some of the video, I mean, I'm like, uh, you know, and I'm still winded, breathing hard. And we end up getting up to this area where we could spot this moose that he saw off this logging road. Now, this is all um, Indian reservation area, mm-hmm. na- native ground, First Nation ground. And they had logged a lot of it. And the logging trucks had put in a bunch of two tracks, getting right, logs right. in and out the year before, which is convenient for us because we could kind of maneuver back in there. So we find the moose. He's about 175, 180 yards away. And the only thing between me and him is four foot deep of fresh powder snow. Dude, I saw the pictures of that stuff and then on, on the video yeah. and, and it's and it's stupid, the amount of snow. Yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm 5'10", and I'm completely layered up with seven layers of clothes, and I have a bow. So I start thinking about it. I could try to stalk in. He sees me coming a mile away. Because, um, like, yeah, it's white snow. I don't have white camo on, you know? Right. And so this is, that's not going to work. Well, maybe I can go to a different spot, and I can wait him out. And then I would just simply die of hypothermia before he decided to move <laughs> 10 hours later, you know? Right, right. So it's not like our whitetails. When it's that cold, our whitetails have to move. They're used to that shit. Yeah. He's cool, just hunkered down. He probably made himself like almost like a little igloo, you know what I mean, in that stuff. Um, so I made a really rash decision and I went, hey, Leslie. Do you have your Bergara B14 308 in the truck? And she's like, yeah. And I went, give it to me. Hand her over. I grabbed, <laughs> I, I grabbed it and got into a position and, and uh, you know, fired in the hole. And it's the first time I have shot a rifle, you know, at a big game animal. And God, man, 15, 14, 15 years, you know, something like that. And in that moment, it was weird because... I thought it would have been a bigger decision for me to make. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the key points were ethically, that was the right play. Um, For odds of success, that was the right play. The other options had very, very low odds. And let's also not forget, in five days, I am leaving Saskatchewan. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm at my lease down the road. Right. Um, so those were the big decisions that went into my, my brain. And then the final decision was it's still hunting. This is hunting. You know what yep. I mean? I'm not, I didn't shoot him over a bait pile or which yep. again, if it's legal in your state, I can bait away. You More know power I mean? to but, it. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. But, uh, but that's the, that's the cards I was dealt at that time. So that's, that's what I did. And, and um, yes, yeah, freaking great. Now in the video, you can see me approach the moose with my bow and to, for, to explain that Leslie had put three rounds into her rifle. She had shot around at her whitetail on day one. So there were still two rounds left. Her ammo was at the very bottom of her backpack. So after I fired two rounds into this moose, um, the first one hurt him. The second one, you know, put him down. But it's still a 1,700-pound moose. Like, I wasn't going right. to walk up weaponless, you know? Nothing in And uh, there yeah. wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a rock or a stick big enough, you know? So <laughs> I grabbed my bow, and that's, that's what I took because I was like, I'm out of ammo. And she's like, oh, crap. Like, the rest of my rounds are in the bottom of my backpack. And so she's digging through her pack and it's, you know, it's a big Kafari pack and you know what right, I mean? Right. But I'm like, screw this. I grabbed my bow and I just took off running after this moose, you know? So that's, that's why I approached with the moose or with my, with my bow. But, uh, but when I got to him and I stopped at like 50 yards and observed him with binos to make well, sure yeah, that dude, the chest you cavity. Yeah. yeah. Like you ain't trying to roll up on a 1700 pound animal on chance that he might have one last hurrah in him. No, no, thank you. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be known as that guy. Yeah, right? you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be on the news. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. exactly. Kentucky. That's Rattler. not how I want to make the news. Kentucky Rattler <laughs> gored by Saskatchewan moose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, this doesn't. This like, if he does stand up and have like you said, like a last hurrah charge in him, I lose every day of the week. Yeah, every day of the week, there is no, no chance of me. So as a side note, I think the Kentucky Rattlers finishing wrestling move w would need to be the moose track. Like the moose track, yeah. yeah. That's the finishing yeah. move right there. <laughs> I grab him by his leg and twist him up or something. Yeah. So, right. yeah, so, um, so anyways, and then, you know, um, there was five of us. So we had myself, Leslie, we had the, the main owner, operator, outfitter, and then he has two Sherpas. Mm-hmm. So we had five adults out there breaking this moose down. It took us about two and a half hours to get him caped out. And we didn't fully cape out. We just caped, you know, up to the chin and mm -hmm. her lower jaw. And, and that was it. Um, but we quartered him out, ribs, everything. I mean, the only thing we left behind um, was basically just, um, just the spine and the guts. It's the only thing we left behind. And it still took two and a half hours and we were dragging out with sleds, you know, making trips. Right. And I mean, I'm talking flat, exhausted. That air is so thin, it's so cold, you know, and you're just dragging these loads out. Like I said, it's 1700 pounds. The only thing we left behind was maybe 200 pounds. Right. So it takes about five trips with this toboggan, you know, dragging him out. We get in the truck. Now all of that frozen blood and ice is melting. So now we're all soaking wet and you're exhausted and you're in a warm truck. You're sweaty at this point. You know how that happens. And um, we all kind of look at each other and we're like, holy shit. Like that was the first time that it really set in what had just happened. Right. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, like adrenaline dump. I just want to go to bed. Like right. I, I really want to go to bed right now. So we start driving down the, down the two track and the outfitter, Curtis. So the owner, the owner of the outfitter is called BBD Saskatchewan. And uh, Curtis goes, 
he's like, oh, holy shit, look over there. And I look to my right and I see these three moose cows just chilling. Like they were watching <laughs> us break down their boyfriend, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, a bunch of cows. So then he puts it back in gear and we start to round this corner of this two track. And then I hear him go, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and I look to my right and there's another bull moose, like 250 yards standing off the side of this, this field. So at this point, Leslie didn't have another tech. It was, she was just kind of a one and done on this hunt. So I'm like speaking as her agent at this point, And I'm like, I look at him and I go, can she get another tech? Can she get a moose tech? And he's like, uh, yeah, I, I have one moose tech left in the truck. And I turn to the back seat and I look at her and I'm like, yes or no, shit or get off the pot. Do you want this moose or not? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I want it. I want it. You know? So she bails out of the truck. She sits on her ass like Marine Corps style and she whacks, you know, throws around at this moose, drops it. and then. Then we all were like, shit, we're going to have to do this all over again. Another two and a half hours. Oh my God, dude. So that's the, the uh, walking up to her moose. She calls her husband, Troy. And, and I've told this story so many times. And I still think it's one of the funniest things in the world. She calls her husband and Sean FaceTime. And she's like, um, Troy, I just shot a moose and he's like oh my god babe that's awesome like congratulations i'm so proud of you that's that's super cool and he's like is john nearby she's like yeah yeah he's standing right here and i'm like yeah troy what's up man i'm right here and he's like hey do me a favor take her ammo she's done like because he's taking taxidermy bills (laughs) yeah so he's like that's it you're done take her ammo away uh so anyways we got everything broke down and I think we were both asleep by like eight o'clock that night and slept like a solid 12 hours just out. Dude, that's crazy, so that, man. So that was Canada. Yeah. Super yeah. Dope. Yes. I mean, it's a, uh, I was pumped whenever I got the, when I got the text message, dude, like, and I couldn't believe just like how big it was. I knew moose was one of those things for you. That was like a bucket list. Like that was a, bucket oh, yeah. list. that yeah. was a bucket list animal yeah. for you. You yeah, know, it is. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, a lot of folks don't get to necessarily even, you know, attempt their bucket list animal. You know, a lot of people just, right. it mm-hmm. remains their bucket mm-hmm. list. Right. And then if they do, yep. it's like, you know, if they get the species, then awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. But when, yep. if they do very rarely, do they get like a giant, you know what I mean? So yeah. to speak. Yeah. Right. And like you go yeah. to Saskatchewan, you kill a hammer buck, which is a, just like yeah. a beautiful Canadian buck, everything you would want yep. in a Canadian buck. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and then you kill this moose, which is not just like, like, yeah, I killed a Canadian moose. Like when you sent it to me and I'm not a moose expert by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But I know the difference yeah, between yeah. like, I've seen moose in Montana when I've when, you know, when I was hunting out there and yep. on, on T on, you know, online or whatever, it's like, I've seen like Yukon moose. And so you kind of get an idea yeah. of like the size of like the different regions and stuff like that, you know? And so I knew yep. Canada has decent moose, but not like giant necessarily and when you showed when i got that text of yours dude i was like first thing i said when i looked at it, i was like dude i was like that thing looks like it's a yukon moose i was like that thing is stupid big like that thing was yeah ridiculously big like i don't know anything about moose like i said but man i i, I felt like that was a giant canadian moose yeah right 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 and i'm assuming yeah, i'm assuming it, so and, right 
Yeah. Well, and that was it. Like, again, I, same way, like I'm thinking Alaska moose and, you know, stuff like that, where they're like 65, 70 inches wide. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course we all see a lot of video footage, the cinematic B roll where these are not killable moose, you know, they're park moose and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, they're just humongous. And, and uh, so I, I didn't have a huge, a great, barometer as to what this was and and even you know the outfitters like look bro like i don't know if you realize what you've just done but there's guys that have been chasing moose in saskatchewan up here for 20 30 years that have never even seen a moose this big you know much less had an opportunity to kill one right and you killed one technically morning one of your moose hunt which is ridiculous (laughs) yeah and you know had i not forgotten my bino harness the only reason he spotted that moose is because he was, he had to bring me my bino harness on the second trip. And then mm-hmm. he was driving back through. We would have sat in that blind. Now we were probably five, 600 yards away from where that moose was, but we would have sat in that blind and there's a very good chance. There's like a 99% chance that moose was never going to walk towards us right. or within our visual. So like I said, I never forget my shit, but the morning that I do, it actually results in that. So, you know, I, I come home from that trip, drop everything off at the taxidermist, which by the way, flying home with that stuff was so more, so much painless than what I thought it was going to be. I pre froze everything, put it in Rubbermaid totes. So I don't want to say pro tip because I'm not a pro only done it one time. But what I, what I did was because it was so cold, I was able just to, you know, get the cape and the, the horns and stuff like that and get everything into the horns. I, I couldn't fit into a Rubbermaid tote, but I went to a hardware store and I bought those little uh, noodles mm-hmm. and I lined the outside edge. You know, I split the noodle in half and then lined the whole outside edge. And then I bought a roll of shrink wrap. Total investment, $17 Canadian, you know what I mean? Right. And then that's, and just wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. And I mean, I had the, I had the shrink wrap on there, like 50 layers deep, you know what I mean? Um, shit, that was shipped as like basically um, one checked bag. Right. And then I had these two big Rubbermaid totes that had all of our, all of our whitetail hides and our whitetail, you know, horns. They were inside the Rubbermaid tote. Like I said, it was negative 30. Ain't going to get any more frozen mm-hmm. and ship those two as checked bags. And of course they were overweight, you know, they're both like a hundred pounds, but it is what it is. Um, but that's, that's how I traveled back and man, it was awesome. It, it, it went really, really smooth. Um, so I get home and, and my wife and kids, we had a trip planned to go down to Florida to visit my mom. So we went down there for like three days. So I literally went from negative 33 to 90 degrees plus you know um and i was like man i want to get sick or something you know but the first morning when i woke up in florida i walked outside and i'm i literally thought i was going to have a heat stroke my body was just not regulated you know right was not so ready for all that we do our christmas vacay down there had a good time and and i'm chomping at the bit you know i want to get back home because now i have a, a muzzleloader tag you know late season iowa tag and I had recently partnered up with CBA and committed that I was going to do a muzzleloader hunt, you know, to finish off the season. And, um, there was, there was a couple of good deer still running around on the lease and 
I had a grizzly box blind set up and I really thought I could capitalize on this cut bean field and uh, third, the third sit, third evening, um, I ended up shooting a 167, six and a half year old and just a cherry on top of a season, you know, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like it's insane, you know, and, and I really don't try to cherish and, and, and hold on to past seasons hunts because, um, it's a whole nother season, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, holy shit, that that's never going to happen again. Like a season like that for me is probably never, ever, ever going to happen again. Um, chasing free range deer, you know, like that. So, right. Um, yeah, man, it was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty epic. Pretty awesome. You, how do you, you were just talking about like, you try not to look in the past and, and stuff like that. And, and that makes, and that makes sense. Um, just knowing you and how you like to operate and, and stuff like that. But how do you, how do you top last year? Like going into this year, knowing full well, like you had mentioned, it's like, man, I'll probably never do that again. Just like, cause I mean, it's think mm-hmm. about it. two in Iowa, right? One with a bow, mm-hmm. one late season with a muzzle loader, giant yep. Canadian moose, giant yep. Canadian whitetail, hammer, Texas buck. Mm-hmm. What am I, what am I missing? Anything else? All in 60 days. All in 60 days. Yeah. So like, what do you do for an encore? (laughs) Retire. (laughs) Sell sell all my shit. (laughs) Yeah. I retire. I write a book. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, it was, it was an awesome season, you know, I had one of my buddies that he was like, it wasn't an awesome season. It was just finally everything came together as it should have for you. Cause you know, you, you bust your ass and, you know, and I look back on past seasons and I hate to be that coulda, woulda, shoulda, but I look back on past seasons like Tyson. Mm-hmm. I had my opportunity. I hit Tyson, but I hit him low. Um, I went to Missouri and just you know was it was there a bad week Mm -hmm. didn't have good weather you know so i can i can look back at past seasons and say man if i would have connected then if i would have connected then you know what i mean like and then uh, another buddy who likes to keep my ego in check he was like man what a killer season he's like these last couple years have kind of sucked for you and i'm like well i killed the fifth largest black bear ever in canada with a bow and I did a single season archery grand slam in 30 days, like eat a dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I wouldn't say that I've been sucking lately, you know? Right. Um, but I don't know. So this year, man, I just, I doubled down Clint. I, I, I actually the, ironically, the, the property that I shot my two Iowa whitetails on, I lost that lease. Um, yeah. Neighboring farmer. He didn't, he didn't like other people killing his deer that he had trail camera pictures of. So he made a stink for me and I ended up losing that lease. Um, and that place had, that place had mega giant potential too, just like historically you and I talked about that, you know, offline, like some of the, some of the uh, particulars about that, that we won't, that'll remain, uh, private for obvious reasons, but Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's stupid stuff that happens on that, on that farm. Yeah. Very, 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 very famous set of sheds, you know, came off that property. And 
Um, yeah, so this year I'm stuck. I'm back to my old original lease, the first lease that I ever had uh, when I moved to Iowa. And I mean, I still have some public land, you know, as an option as well. And and I'm going to do a few scout sessions and put a few cameras and see what's up there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to spend months and months and months scouting the public, um, but I am going to see what's out there. And this year, knowing that I lost that lease, I, I made a hard transition this year and I went totally a different route. I mean, I'm still going to have my two Iowa tags and, and I'll try to fill those Iowa whitetail tags. But, you know, I put in for Kansas. Um, I landed a spot in Kentucky to go back velvet season, uh, which, you know, just the other day, you know, we drew, drew our Kansas tags. You know, mm-hmm. we got our emails on those. Um, Colorado mule deer, Wyoming mule deer, going back to Saskatchewan. So I, it's kind of a mule deer season. You know what I mean? It sounds so, it um, sounds like it, man. That'll be that'll yeah. be that'll be cool. Have you? I don't know if the years that I've known you that you've gone mule, you've all, you've often gone out antelope hunting. Is this have you done mule deer yeah. in the past, or is this a, a no, first? No, first time. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. So it, you know, and I thought, well. I'd be pretty pissed if I try to go after my first mule deer and I only have one opportunity and I got to wait a whole another year to do it again. So I'm like, screw it, man. Let's book, let's make three mule deer hunts. Hopefully I'll get lucky and get one out of three, you know? Right. Right. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I drew, I drew a Kansas tag as well. So that's in my, in my Mm -hmm. plans for this year. And then I'll be headed to Idaho. Um, I mean, I've already kind of, you know, flights are booked tags in hand. I'm now just kind of, gathering all my gear and stuff like that. Cause this is, I'm doing a lot of what you do, which is flying in yeah. somewhere. You know, I don't often do that. A lot yeah. of times mine are drive to wherever I'm going, you know, and you do, you do tons mm-hmm. of driving too, but you, you do take flight mm-hmm. trips and stuff like that, depending on where you're headed. So this is my first yeah. kind of fly in hunt since God, man, the last time I did a fly in hunt was probably 2002. I think I was in Alaska and that was a, yeah. that was a flying hunt. And I haven't flown to hunt since then. And it's tough because what you bring, that's what you got. Dude, that's what it's I'm, that's like what can, I'm, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm kind of scrambling with right now. Cause it's like, I need a, uh-huh. I need a, I need a good Western pack, you know? And so I don't want to be taking just like a ton of crap. So I'm trying to figure out like, well, what size pack do I need that I can basically fit everything I need for the trip in this pack? Yeah. But yeah. I can also kind of smash yeah. it down to be able to use for a day pack while I'm there. Cause we're, we're basically driving back a trailhead as far as we can make it. And then we're backcountry just like camping for the for the week 40 44 mag from kafaru mm-hmm. i think would fit nicely into that offer the best of both worlds yeah uh that'd be one i'd at least take a you know take a look at you know what i mean right right so yeah i'm pretty stoked on that and then <clears throat> i'm fired up to be going back to kansas uh yeah but i'd be lying if i didn't say i had like mixed feelings about it a little bit because there was a little part of me that was like, man, I could really save some money on gas this year if I just didn't <laughs> draw that hunt. You know what I mean? Like after the fact, you know, I'll, you know, I put in for the tag, gas prices go way up. And I was just kind of like, man, I wouldn't be super pissed if I didn't draw that this year. And I just stuck around yeah. closer to home or whatever. But dude, dude trust me, I got to I'm going to have to drive to Colorado and then I'm going to drive to Wyoming. Um, those are my two big drives. But then, oh, shit. I totally forgot. I'm also going to Africa this year. I was going to say, I thought you were planning yeah. to go to Africa. Yeah. How do you let yeah. that out? 
<laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the heck, man? Um, so, I mean, you know, flights to Africa for me, you know, camera guy. Uh, then you've got, um, I'm going to fly, fly out to uh, the Park City TAC event in July. And then, of course, I've got flights, you know, to uh, Saskatchewan. I'm like, man, like, I don't want to I don't want to make this a political podcast, but and Joe Biden sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, someone hook, <laughs> hook a brother up with some like gas tickets or something. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that whole that that whole like um, stipend, you know, that we all got. I mean, I've already spent that and three times that amount in fuel already this year. Well, to put it in terms. You know, because Primal Divide is a business, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I have everything budgeted for the year. Yep. You get X number of dollars that come in from partners and you try to provide the most hunts and the most usable content for them and stuff. Obviously, I want to do as well. Right. But you try to negotiate all that and fit it all into the budget. And then at the end of the day, hopefully I can still make a mortgage payment. And what my fuel budget was for this year, I've already hit it. And we're what June, June 13th. Yeah. Yeah. June 13th. And as of um, four days ago, I hit my fuel budget for the year. That's crazy. I'm like, dude, and I haven't even started my big trips. Yeah. This is just normal run of the mill, normal stuff. Uh This is going to some 3d shoots, just, you know, going to the lease, doing some stuff a couple of small turkey hunts, you know what I mean? Like, just, I'm like, dude, this is not cool. Yeah. Well, that's why I ended up flying. It's stressful. Yeah. That's why I ended up flying to Idaho was just because when Mm -hmm. I started breaking it down, I was like, man, I can get a flight, you know, for, I think my flight all in was like 600 bucks, roughly something like that for a round trip. That's good, man. You know, yeah. Book, book flights now. Yeah. They're listening. If you've got Western hunts or late fall hunts, I know it sucks to book it all at one time, but the shit ain't going to get no cheaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, I, I screwed the pooch a little bit because whenever I drew my, or not draw when I, not when I drew, drew, but when I got my Idaho tag, I should have just yeah. bought the flight then because it was, um, I want to say my round trip at that point was like 450 bucks. I ended up yeah. having to spend like almost an extra 200 bucks just because of, yep. you know, what's going on with like fuel prices and, and, and stuff like that. But my Listen. Africa flight went up about a hundred, about a hundred bucks in a, in a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started on a Monday looking at prices. And then by the time I booked like on a Saturday or the following Monday, I think it was, you right. know, Expedia had already gone up and then they popped up a tab and they're like, good job booking this flight because um, this flight is going up like $57 tomorrow. And I'm like, what the piss, man? Uh, I know, you know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So what are you, uh, what are you chasing in Africa? What's the species? Um, so a kudu, another, another bucket list animal, um, love kudus, man. They're just so badass. Um, so kudu number one and, uh, an oryx. Mm. I just like the horns on the oryx. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an impala because I'm an OG with a 63 impala (laughs) tattooed on my back already so um so very very brief story i have a 63 impala super sport tattooed on my back and it's the full width of my back and um my dad and i didn't do a whole lot of stuff together growing up but 
we restored a 63 Impala together. So that was something that we did together. And so, yeah, I, I went ahead and got one tattooed on my, on my back. And uh, it's pretty funny if I'm ever shirtless, you get some old timer and it's like, is that a 63 Impala? <laughs> like, yes, sir, it is. And he's like, okay, not really normal seeing a guy your age with a 63 Impala, you know, or hell for that matter, anybody having a 63 Impala tattooed on them. But right. yeah, so I'm like, screw it, man. I want to shoot an Impala. Right. So, and then get this shit. I, you and I haven't even talked about this. So, you know, on Instagram, there's always those like crazy ass giveaways and like yeah, yeah, yeah. tag a buddy and you can win like a lifesaver or a fucking pack of gummy bears or whatever. Right. I, I entered one of those things and I just won a fucking Africa hunt for 2023. Are you serious? Dead serious. All I got to do is pay the airfare. It's That's for a warthog, a wildebeest, and I don't know, something else. I dude, have to go back and reread it. Dude, that's crazy. So two years in a row, <laughs> you're going to end up going to Africa. Yeah. And it's funny because even the outfitter that I booked my original hunt with this year, he's like, oh, you just wait till you come to Africa. You're going to be booking a hunt with me every single year. And I'm like, Dude, it's a 15-hour flight out of Atlanta each way. I can tell you right now, I'm a one and done. Right. And uh, no, apparently I'm going back. Right. So That's awesome, dude. Dude. Yeah, it's crazy. Your house, that wall is going to be full of all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, after. dude, my wife's going to say, so I'm so dead. Yeah. Like, she's so going to kill me. <laughs> Man, yeah. It's like you're going to have to put another wing on the house just to fit all the Africa mounts in there. Dude. Now that would be champagne problems right there. That, that I'm going to build be. an extension for a trophy room, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you, when you, uh, when you broach that topic, just make sure I'm out to visit. Cause I want to watch that. I want to see that go down. <laughs> Dude, she will take a shoe off and throw it at me. You know oh, what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. Just for good measure. I might pick it up, give it back. So I can just watch her throw it again. I you know what I mean? Throw it again. <laughs> you need to throw that I'll, one twice. I'll rig up. I'll rig up some GoPros because that would be pretty funny. Right. Um, I tell you, I mean, the antelope and the whitetail, like she's not, she doesn't get too bent out of shape about the bear. She wasn't a big fan of because that's like her animal. Like to me, like, I, you know, mountain lions scare the shit out of me. Right. Right. Um, bears. I mean, grizzlies obviously are scary, but black bears, you know, I wouldn't say that like, you know, I'm afraid of them. Um, but the turkeys, when I got, when I got the grand slam turkeys all dead mount and they're just like hanging, like they're hanging from one foot on the wall. Yeah. She does not like those. So anybody's <laughs> thinking about doing a dead mount, you might want to actually talk about that with your spouse or significant other before right. you just bring one of those in the house. Right. What about yeah. the, what about the moose man? When you, uh, when you get in that back. So I, uh, old barn taxidermy went ahead and did both of my Iowa whitetails for me. And that way I could take them to the Iowa deer classic back in March. Cause I had a primal divide booth there. So that was cool that they rushed those. They're getting ready to start on the Texas whitetail. And then um, they have the Saskatchewan whitetail and the moose. So I'm hoping July, mm -hmm. August, you know, I might get those back. So um, but the moose man, like, we're going to hang that thing, on dude. that guy. Yeah, we're going to hang. Well, that. yeah. So, you know, in the family room, 
uh, the far wall opposite yeah. of how you enter the family room. Yep. It's going to go on that far wall pretty okay. high. So I'm going to have to get some scaffolding, rent, rent some scaffolding and stuff so I can get it up there. Cause we'll probably mount it about 16 foot off the ground or so. Right. Yeah. You know, you and, know it's, you, and it's heavy. I was going to say like really, I mean, just the horns are heavy. I can't imagine what the head and the shoulder is going to be. Yeah. You're going to have to uh, make sure you're not like, don't have a couch underneath that. Something like that. Oh, well, there, there, and that's what's funny. There is. And I'm like, what if that thing comes off the wall? So when I was talking to Sam from Old Barn, I said, does like this thing surely grabs at like at least two studs? And he goes, yeah, there's like a special bracket that goes in place to make sure that this thing doesn't come off the wall. Thank God, because it'd kill somebody. Yeah, for you know, sure. Or at least mess them up pretty bad. Right. So the, I won't ever sit. I won't sit underneath it. I can tell you that. Right. Someone that we'll call that seat the rattler seat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a sit at your own risk right there. Right. Maybe put a Death little by moose. Put a little sign up, little, like a little plaque, like on the wall, like next to the seat. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, that's yeah. hilarious. But I, I did not draw my Arizona up tag this year. Okay. Um, and I was really, I was really hoping for that. So I've got a preference point there. And it sounds like the unit that I'm trying to draw in, which means I'll have like an 89% chance next year. So right. not guaranteed, but, you know, pretty good chance next year. Yeah. And I think what happened there in that situation was there for a little while, Arizona offered that opportunity where you could go online and take their hunter safety class for a bonus point. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody fucking did it during COVID. Nobody was hunting. Yeah. So you know, instead of drawing with one point, now it's going to take drawing in two points because basically everybody got a point. Yeah. Yeah. Except my dumb ass. I didn't do it. <laughs> right. Right. There you go. I was just going to ask you, um, you know, what do you just out of curiosity, like, what do you think? How much do you think just the state of things with like the prices of things, inflation, all that stuff? How much do you think it's going to impact people buying points this year? Right not hunting and then mm-hmm. start to have point creep yet again, because then people in like a year or two are going to start to cash in those points. They just picked up because they weren't willing to travel. One, 100% because Iowa is not four points anymore. It's getting closer to five. Is it? And that has, that has come from that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? From point creep. Um, I guarantee you with fuel prices this year will be a record year for people selling their tags back because mm. that what well, idaho offers that yeah um there's maybe another state out west that offers offers that but um i guarantee this is a record record year for that now the only reason i don't think it's going to be across the board it'll be the biggest year ever i'm very confident of that but the reason why i don't think it's going to be like uh double record breaking year is just on the fact of, and I, and this is a, a, a theory that I've proven a couple of times in a couple of marketing sessions is um, trying to convince people that if it's cool or if you want it, you'll do it. Mm-hmm. And, and if anybody lives in a, a modular home that maybe was delivered on wheels, I'm not making fun of you. I made a point of people that say, take me to a trailer park. And I'll show you $80,000 Chevys lifted on wheels with off-road tires. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was that the best financial decision? Maybe not. But if it's cool enough, they'll do it. 
Right. So there, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna make a huge impact. But I mean, more so even on the rest of the industry side, you know, if you got a guy that's now paying 550 for gas, maybe he won't buy a new bow this year. He might just hold on to that bow one more year. So it it um you know, in my world financially, it it is concerning because you know, if if Crispy's not selling as many boots and Hoyt's not selling as many bows, and you know what I mean, like yeah. um, there's a chance that they might not want to pay me as much next year if right. they if don't that, have it. Because we all know when there's a budget cut, marketing's the first damn thing that gets cut. You know? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now I kind of agree with you, man. I think it's it's interesting because a lot of those Western tags are kind of determined prior to when we really started seeing like the gas prices like really really ramp exactly. up. Exactly. I think everyone was kind mm-hmm. of feeling it going like oh this kind of sucks but like gas prices are higher but it's not it was it's not like it is mm-hmm. now and then I think all of a sudden yep you know people had their tags you know secured they got their lottery draws and stuff like that or they had already put in maybe they didn't draw yep. yet but they had already submitted paid for them whatever the case is and just waiting to hear whether or not they they got them or not. And then uh-huh. kind of like kind of like me to a degree where it's like I had a little bit of buyer's remorse. You know, I don't want to, look, I don't need a pity party. I'm, I'm getting to go hunt Kansas and I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to love it. So it's, yeah, you know, don't feel bad for me, you know, but yeah, right. Right. I, again, champagne problems. Right. Right. But yeah. you know, just we're, we're normal people like everybody else that have jobs, you know, whether it's what I do for a living or, you know, what you do for a living as a photographer and, and stuff. Yep. Um, you know, so we still have budgets that we have to kind of adhere to and, and money that we kind of Absolutely. set aside to spend. And to your earlier point, it's like, I wasn't really anticipating paying that much to get to where I was planning to go. You know what I mean? And yeah, it just makes you kind of pause for, um, makes you kind of pause for a second. And I, and I think, I think the flip side of it might be, um, you may see, uh, a little less further travel. So whenever, so for example, going to Kansas, cause I'm going to hunt all walk in in public, I might run mm-hmm. into less pressure than I've run into in last year, just because mm-hmm. the people who are going to be coming there probably aren't going to be as many people from PA, Michigan, Ohio. It's probably going to be people yeah. who are a little, a little closer to Kansas and you start yep. to kind of carve yep. out, you know, or cut away some of those folks who are traveling a further distance. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna make things different. Um, and I know that Wyoming, um, cut a lot of their mule deer tags. They cut a lot of their antelope tags this year that they're not going to be giving out. So, you know, I wonder again, um, were would some of those people that would have drawn, were they, would they have sold their tags back or, you know, it, it it's very, it's, it is very interesting to see how it's all going to shake out. So we'll see. I, I don't know for sure if I, if I got my Wyoming mule deer tag or not, I did put in for that special tag. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to double your chances, but it's also double the money. Right. Um, again, I don't know that if I would have done that, had I known that fuel <laughs> prices were going to continue to go up, you know? So, yeah. and that's the unfortunate part. And, you know, for people listening, like if you've never done the Western thing, um, and if you're doing multiple Western things, um, like, like you said, I'm not looking, no, no pity party for John. I get to hunt for a living and, and I, and I'm very blessed that I can do that. Um, but it's not all, it's not all rainbows all the time because, 
you know, when I put out my media kit back in January, I committed to these hunts and my partners signed on to endorse and sponsor these hunts. They don't give two shits if the if the price of gas tripled or if the flights tripled and my loaf of bread doubled. Like that, it doesn't matter to them. I committed to something in January, so come hell or high water, I got to make it happen, or it's my ass. Yeah, know? yeah. They so, have deli- um, they have deliverables that you're accountable for, regardless of what changes between then and or now and then, yeah. or you know, or January and whenever the the hunts have to take place or whatever the case is. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I had a camera lens that went down recently and, you know, that was a thousand bucks just for the repair. Yeah. Um, and it was a freak thing. I'm like, well, there's a thousand dollars I didn't expect to spend. And right. so there's been things that happen that pop up all the time and I'm like, Oh man, you know, mm-hmm. but, and that's actually, that's why I kind of shaved my Turkey season down a little bit this year. Yep. It was just cause I knew that the fall was going to be an expensive season already wasn't thinking fuel prices i was just thinking it was going to be expensive you know on the flights and just, fuel but right we'll adapt i mean there's you know there's only fans mm-hmm. i've been yeah. learning how to twerk <laughs> a little bit on the side yeah you know you um, can I'm just getting, i'm getting okay with it yeah. yeah you could go you could go full mike honcho and you know do a full spread and play girl you know you know, I mean, somebody will buy feet picks. I figure at the end of the day, you know? I mean, there's all kinds out there. Dude. There's all kinds of weird people, you know, you just got to hustle, adapt and overcome. You That's know right. I mean? If there's a will, there's a way there's a sucker born every day that will, that will buy, that will buy OnlyFans hey, it's, videos. It's $20 a toe or a hundred dollars for a foot. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> throw me in a $5 tip. I'll look at them. Oh yeah, (laughs) exactly. So where are you? Uh, what what's your plans for Kansas, man? Are you like what part of? You don't have to tell me where you're going because I don't want to. Oh no, it's okay. Um, it's um pretty much dead center. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of a little more east central. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, as far as north to south, it's pretty much right in the dead center, and uh, be hunting in that area. Same same people. Same my same buddy Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, that I hunted with a couple of years ago in Kansas. So he's got a bunch of leases out there and um, he's been gracious enough to invite me to come back. He was actually mad at me that I didn't put in last year. And I was like, well, I wasn't like going to invite myself and I didn't want to overstay my welcome. And he's like, no, dude, once you're invited, you're invited. I'll tell you if you're not invited, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, damn it. I wouldn't, I would have put in last year. So anyway, right. so I put in this year and l- lucky enough lucky yeah. enough to draw again it's just he it's such a good time you know hunting with him it's almost like i'm hunting one of my own leases you know right. what i mean like right. um so his family he's got a great great family his kids are funny as hell and his wife you know she's funny as hell so it's pretty cool they let me crash in the basement yeah pretty nice. dope. you have uh some prospects on the uh on the iowa farm you got any any hanger um, hanger hanger overs from last year that you're uh chomping at the bit, bit to see if they uh if they return there was a couple of two and three year olds last year. Um, cause even though I didn't hunt it, I still ran the cameras on it all year. And so technically it got zero hunting pressure at all last year. I never went there, never mm-hmm. said it once. Wow. Um, but ran cameras, you know, throughout the year and, and there was one really, really good deer. Um, rumored is he, he got killed. Um, but that doesn't make me horribly mad. You know, if there's a big buck in the area and he's the only big buck and then he got killed, I like those odds because right. that means 
there's a chance another big buck's going to take his bedroom, you know, move right. into that area. So that doesn't bother me too much. I know a lot of guys, they get, they get all dejected. And I'm like, no, no, if it was a big buck, you know, big buck bedding area for one guy, it ain't going to stay vacant long. Right. There's a reason you know, why it, it, an old, uh, an old, uh, weary buck is using yeah. that, that spot just in general. So eventually there'll exactly. be a, another ticket's place. Exactly. So yeah, there was a couple of decent bucks that will become, you know, threes and fours this year. And, and hopefully there's another big one that moves in. And, um, traditionally on that property, any time it's a corn year mm-hmm. on that farm, it's a better year. Okay. Uh, I've seen the, the better quality of deer during corn year. So this is a corn year and I'm actually planting some corn myself in my plot this year to kind of help out with that a little bit. And I'll, of course I'll leave mine standing, you know, in the farmer, he'll, he'll do his normal, you know, row crop practices and stuff, but right. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I've got a bunch of cameras soaking right now. And, um, you know, I switched over to stealth cam this year and, and I've got a bunch of their cameras out there running right now. And, uh, we'll see, see what we got, you know? Nice man. Well, I'm looking forward to trying to get back out to Iowa. I'm bummed to hear that we're, it's getting closer to five points. Cause I, I, uh, mm-hmm. I would be maybe a year away from being able to draw and, and come back out and pay you a visit, but it looks like it might have to be two years, unfortunately. Well, and I think what it is, is it's kind of like a 65% chance on four points. Yeah. You know, maybe even 70%. Whereas before it was like 95% on four points. Yeah. So it hasn't, it hasn't fully gone to a new point, but it's getting there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think still next year, I think what I'll do is I'll probably buy the tag anyway and just if i get it Mm -hmm. then awesome then i'm coming if not then i'll just i'll figure out an over-the-counter state somewhere dude freaking pick up a muzzle letter bro i know dude come on over the water's warm (laughs) the water's warm it's it's, it i'm telling you it's kind of cool right i mean this was i i I talk about it like i'm a big muzzle letter hunter it's the first time i've muzzle letter hunted in like 18 years or something you know right Um, but it's kind of dope because it's colder than hell and you're just, you know, sitting on an open field. You can see a ton of stuff. It's usually different than our style of bow hunting. Right. And, um, it's kind of cool, man. All right. You might, like it a little you, bit. you might be selling me on this. You supply the muzzle loader and I'll, and I'll, one of these, I years, got you. one of these years I'll come out and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get the old smoke pole fired up. Yeah. It's well, and, it, and you know, modern day muzzle loaders, pretty much feels like a rifle, you know? Right. I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, I'm sighted in at 200 yards. And right. It's yeah. And you're killer. good to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. sweet man. Well, dude, it was good catching up with you, brother. It's been way too long since we've had a yeah. chance to do this yeah. before you uh, jump out of here, let folks know where they can find all of uh, Johnny Utah's goings ons. Yes, man. Uh, Johnny.utah.hunt on the gram. And you've got two options for primal divide. Obviously, social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, but on the video side of things, if you are a Waypoint subscriber or if you have um, Sling TV or Pluto TV, it is a native channel on there. And the time slot that I've been given is Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or you could just go to YouTube and you can watch Primal Divide episodes right there. Awesome. Everyone should go check out the videos. They're dope, especially the, uh, you got to check out the, if, if you do, if you don't check out anything, but one, check out the Canada moose hunt. 
you won't uh you won't yeah no, there's four i mean there's yeah. two white tails and two moose get killed in 14 minutes like it's yeah. pretty banger <laughs> yeah yeah pretty banger all right brother man yeah. you be good dude thanks for coming on and let's uh let's catch yes, up again sir. soon hell yeah thanks man all right folks that is a wrap for today's show i'd like to thank all of you for listening if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and while you're at it head over to youtube and give us a sub there as well i'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me and before i shut this thing down i need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible tethered spartan forge exodus and skull brew coffee company and until next time we'll see y'all All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.